Hello and welcome to another episode of Cathode Ray Mission. This is uh, myself, Will Scoville, in Berkeley, California. And with me, as always, in Oklahoma City is Randy Heyer. What up? It's me, Big R. (laughs) And uh, this week, um, in lieu of a lot of events happening uh, in the United States especially and around the world, uh, dealing with the, the the death of George Floyd at the hands of uh, police officers, yet another um, unwarranted death of a person of color by the hands of the police. We thought we would uh, review a little bit about how these types of cultural moments that have happened in the United States um, are reflected in the movies. And one that kind of came up for me uh, almost immediately uh, was this movie from 1968, uh, directed by Jules uh, Dassin, um, who also did uh, Night in the City, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Rafifi, mm-hmm. which I have still not seen. I have seen Night in the City, though. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is 1968. It's called Uptight. Um, and this was a you know released by Paramount, a major studio picture. And 1968, it uh, is the same year that... Uh, that uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Uh, and surprisingly, this movie, the backdrop of this movie is the Martin Luther King assassination. Um, so it is happening just a few days afterwards. It's taking place just a few days afterwards in Cleveland, Ohio. And it deals with a group of uh, black revolutionaries who um, kind of get involved in a botched uh, uh, robbery of guns uh, to kind of help um, arm their their revolutionary movement uh, that was occurring after this uh, the assassination. Uh, it kind of goes wrong. Uh, there's um, you know the guy's friend, uh, or I'm sorry, this uh, this guy ends up killing uh, the security guard, um, and. Uh, his friend rats him out and it's just kind of the reaction of, of everything going on, uh, in, in this group of revolutionaries and what is happening externally kind of in the community and everything. And it's a very relevant movie for the time. Um, and it deals with, um, just kind of politics in a very direct way. It is not afraid to kind of wear its politics on its sleeve and kind of show itself for all, you know, you know, warts and all kind of, and all of the kind of uh, disagreements within uh, this kind of revolutionary movement. Um, So it's something I selected. It's not necessarily available on free streaming, but I rented it from Amazon. I found a copy of it on YouTube and it was, it it has been on Criterion as well. Uh, Yeah, I did watch it on YouTube for free. So you can do that. So if it's, if, if it's a little bit difficult for you to get it, it is available there, you know, and I would much rather you actually get to see this movie, um, you know, in the short term than worry about Jeff Bezos getting any sort of money um, <laughs> from this. So um, I think the message is very important. So I, I do recommend seeking this out and watching it. you can it. get it on Tubi or there's one of the other ones I don't ever use that said you could buy yeah. them too, so... It's a pretty um, unknown movie, so people aren't really too worried about it getting out and viewed um, because they're obviously not making much royalties off of it, uh, which is really a shame because it's quite good. Um, I bet it will get discovered now again. Yeah. It should. I think that people really fucking should watch this movie. It's It was incredible, I thought. Yeah. So, Randy, you had not... You had not heard of this one, right? You had not. No, uh, and, but I'm a big fan of Jules. I mean, Jules Dassin is one of the guys that the Criterion Collection has covered extensively, and they have probably even back to the Laserdisc era. But when I was in my early 20s buying the DVDs and stuff, he was a guy in the film noir of all that shit they were putting out. They put out uh the naked city brute force thieves highway night in the city and rafifi those like his he made those five back to back so i i've seen those and i love those movies a lot so no i had never but i had never heard of this i'd never seen anything beyond rafifi i don't think and so to see his style tell a distinctly black story was 
fucking kind of like a revelation to i just watched this movie and i was i was very yeah. blown away by how amazing it was i, I yeah. really i really liked it a lot he's definitely got kind of the touch of like a classic hollywood director and dealing with this topic it's very odd to see that those two you know that content and that style kind of mix um especially this late 1968 um but yeah jules dasson was a blacklisted director um he got caught up in the uh, McCarthy Red Scare, was mm -hmm. blacklisted, and Rafifi he made as a foreign film. Yeah. Uh, and then Uptight. Yeah. Yep. And then Uptight came along and was uh, his first American film in, I believe, at least 20 years. And it was the uh, kind of the work of Ruby D, the actress uh, who was in this film. Um, as uh, a secondary character, uh, who also co-wrote this, uh, adapting it from uh, an earlier novel called *The Informer*, which has been made into a film twice. Once by John Ford, which won a number of uh, Oscars, uh, and it dealt with the same situation happening uh, within the IRA. So this has been transplanted. Uh, Ruby D um, co-wrote this script. Uh, and produced the film as well, and more than likely selected uh, Jules Dassin as the director uh, of this. Um, well, actually, I read that um, the guy who plays Tank, he also is credited as a writer, Julian Mayfield. Oh, is he? he was okay. uh, teaching at Cornell, and Jules Dassin asked him to uh, adapt a screenplay that he had previously written, or something like okay. that. Okay. So, so like, maybe he had, yeah, he had already uh, had plans on adapting this film in a, an American setting, maybe, and had him. Yeah, and then he uh, asked Julian Mayfield, who was a friend of his, who was like teaching at Cornell, to adapt it. I guess with Ruby D. But then, then <laughs> I looked. Julian Mayfield is in another movie called The Virgin Island. I want to say, and Ruby D is also heavily involved in that. Okay. From 10 years earlier. So maybe they were working in the theater together. Yes. And yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly what the whole connection, I had to do a little, cause I had to look on his, um, I had to look on, I keep forgetting his name, Julian Mayfield's article to find out that little bit of information about Jules Dassin, mm -hmm. which is buried in his, in, in the thing here. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's hard to find information about this movie, honestly. Right. It, it is because it's so kind of like um, underwatched. And in doing some research for it, I found recently when it was on Criterion, Barry Jenkins did a, a very brief kind of, uh, uh, they had a very brief video clip of him talking about this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, kind of mirroring the point of it being very underseen uh, simply because it, uh, you know, I, I'd read a few YouTube comments saying that, you know, occasionally it would play on television, um, but it was uh, edited. Mostly what was edited was the uh, the white character, one of the few white characters with a speaking role uh, in this movie, who kind mm -hmm. of comes in with, I believe, what is he, the mayor, city councilman, um, somehow involved in Cleveland politics. Um and so he comes in uh, to, so this this man comes in to talk to the to the revolutionary group. One of his assistants is this white guy, who they kind of push out because it's at this point gone beyond any anything that really he can help with. So in the TV edits of the movie, they cut that part out completely, which I think is a very important scene, um, in that movie, and what yeah. really stands out for me. Because they do the same thing to Tank, too, but it's like kind of, I mean, yeah, it's just like, it's it's good to have those two scenes to compare and contrast with each other, mm -hmm. like back to, because that happens like right after they tell that guy to leave. Yeah. But then that guy finds out some crucial, crucial information and tries to tell them and they're like, stop talking to us. And it's yeah. like, damn, that's like an ironic twist i don't know but yeah this movie is is heady and it's, dense and there's a lot a lot to it 
I've never read The Informer. Have you read The Informer? Liam, I haven't. No, I haven't, I haven't seen the movie either. And okay, I read. Right, this is kind of funny to me. I read Ebert's review of this movie mm-hmm. of Uptight, and he, he it seemed like he didn't like it based on his review, mm-hmm. but he gave it three stars. So he did like it. Three out of four too, and not five. Yeah. Um. So, but one of the things that he criticizes it for is being he doesn't think that uh changing the setting and the like character what it's about um from the novel to this he doesn't think that that works the translation doesn't work but (laughs) to me watching this movie and i enjoyed this movie quite a bit i'm like i've never heard of the informer the book you know so like one of his big issues was like oh the adaptation doesn't work for me and it's like well these days, who knows that book? You know what I mean? Anyway, right. and like, I think it, I think it very much does work as a story. I don't know. Well, I find his criticism I, I also th- very strange. It, I think it's more, it's less in the in the shadow of the book and more in the shadow of the John Ford movie, which was quite popular. Um, and so people did know, like when you say this is a remake of The Informer, it's at the time that it came out, it. Was, it may have been a movie that people were aware of um, and knew the story because it had it was a big movie of the, of the year. It was only like 30 years old at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it, it, at that point, there was no home video or anything. So those movies tend to st- uh, stick around. But um, now and again, it, it's not it's not a one to one comparison, but I think it still works. It's maybe the like what what other kind of rebellion group would you have this happening to, uh, you know? Yeah. In America. I mean, I yeah. you got like what a bunch of Neo Confederates or something. And then what would be the point of telling that story? <laughs> um, um, Ebert also was like, why is it shot all dreamlike? He's like, it should be like fly on the wall, 16 mil. I'm like, dude, don't who cares? Like you didn't like the style he made. I don't know. I thought his criticism. I thought it was weird. <laughs> The movie looks amazing. Yeah. He was like, he used, he actually shot in Cleveland, but it's all stylized. It's like, yes, and, I don't know, whatever. I I mean, I'm going to get off Ebert's review. I'm sorry. I'm wasting too much time with that, but it it, did kind of stick in my craw a little bit. I was like, fucking idiot. It was interesting, though, because it's like, he is, like, from what I can tell, he's reviewing it at the time that it came out. Um, Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so now we're looking at it at 50 some years later mm-hmm. and it, we're, we're taking it very differently. We're taking it kind of cold and, you know, not knowing what that story is, not having an awareness of the source material and only looking at it as a piece of our own history. And especially now a reflection of, uh, how it relates to what is currently going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at it in a very different through very different lens uh, than Roger Ebert was trying to fill space in a column in the late 60s. Um, sure. And I'm not trying to like, I think Ebert is on the right side of history. Like he's politically oh, yeah. like, I agree with him and stuff. Like it's yeah. even in the review, but like he just like, his criticism of the movie itself, I'm like, <laughs> you're like criticizing one of my favorite parts of the movie, like how beautifully yeah. stylized it is. But okay, whatever. Well, he did. He did say that there are some key points that really stick out, and it's kind of all you need for the movie to be effective and to drive home its point. And the two parts that he's talking about are the scene when the cops show up to the apartment building, and they are all throwing bottles down at the cops, um, which is a very cool scene, uh, and it's kind of like visually striking. Uh, and then there's kind of a chase sequence after that that's very dramatically shot. Yeah. Um, the second scene is played much more comically, and it's the scene in the arcade where Tank is uh, talking to that group of that was excellent uh, bougie white people about what the plan is, and it's all shot in uh, funhouse mirrors, so it's all dist- distorted. Um, which, if you look at my Instagram, it's the last post <laughs> I made is just a series of those shots. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's so surreal. It's just, I've watched it. It's on YouTube as well. And it's just such a surreal part of the movie. 
but really drives home a point <laughs> of, you know, these rich people who are slumming it at this arcade um, and just find this black man who they can kind of uh, project themselves onto um, or project their ideas uh, onto. So that part was um, great. Yeah. I mean, the dude, the central performance by the guy who wrote it, Julian Mayfield, Tank, it was, a, it was amazing, I thought. I thought mm-hmm. what a, an incredible anti-hero, really. Yeah. Just, man. I mean, I he's like not it. even the hero. I mean, he's like, because like he's he's doing, he's the, he's, his decisions are the reason why kind of everything goes bad. Well, I said anti-hero. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I have that definition wrong, but you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, he fucks up. He's the main character, but yet. He fucks See, I don't up even know if he's over and the over main character. Again. You don't think he is? No, because I think that in uh, one comparison I read to the Informer is that the tank analog and the Informer, it really is all about him. In this movie, I think you get a good sense. They have a good, um, they they build out all these other characters. So you uh-huh. see, see long scenes without tank. And what is going on in the rest of the the groups and what their thinking is and what their disagreements are. And so you walk away from this movie with a bigger picture of the movement and not just an individual. Um, oh, but for what sure. an individual's actions like do to the entire group. And I think that's where it kind of, you know, a larger part of the discussion about like disagreements within the movement is is able to take place. And I think that's really that's really is something that is interesting about this movie. I would still say that he is the main character of the story, though. I mean, even he's, though, he's. I mean, I don't think movies are. You don't have to follow the one guy the whole movie for mm-hmm. that person to be the main. I don't know. You know, he's like he's kind of the through line through which yeah. the whole movie, because it begins with them going, and um, Doctor Martin Luther King has died four day four days ago or something at the beginning. And he's crying and he's drunk and he can't go with the burglary. And then that all sets off the chain of events, you know, that lead to the police searching for this guy because it's a security guard, whatever. And then Tank is the one that tells. And, uh, yeah. And it ends. His death is the end of the movie, too. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. It's very. Very end of the movie. It's very night in the city. Brute force, like all of his movies kind of end the same way. Very abruptly and... (laughs) Yeah, but with the main character, I mean, in my opinion, the main character dying, you know? And it's usually, it's like, I don't know. It's, uh... Yeah. You kind of, it's it's a death that you kind of think about for a while afterwards. Yeah, I I mean, it's also one that you from the very get-go, you uh, you understand it's going to happen. And the rest of the movie is them kind of explaining, well, this is how we get to that point from here. Like, this is, you know, the the journey. Because, I, I mean, I guess I could see that, him at Tank as a, as a main character, because he does have that point um, where he rents that kind of hotel, that motel SRO, and invites Lucille, played by Ruby D, over, and finally admits to what he did, and it's the first person that he's telling that to. That was, that was the best scene. And when yeah. she's slapping him, she starts drooling. I was yeah. just like, I don't know. It's just, it felt very real. It's like, yeah, it's, it's what I everything I love about movies kind of in the, is in this yeah. movie. I think, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that, and there's also like the point where he's going to to the wake for uh, for Johnny, and he's at his mom he's at johnny's mom's apartment and you know he and johnny were like best friends yeah and um and he ratted him out and got him killed by the police and so uh he the, the, like that weird sense of paranoia that everyone knows and everyone's like looking at him and they're just like it's kind of just lingering on these faces of these people in this room um that is just really haunting and just like everyone's bigger than him and everyone's face is so big and staring right at him. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, and tank is just like sweaty this entire movie. He like, is he's just dr- dripping with sweat this entire movie. Um, and part of that is cause it's raining, raining for part of the movie. And he's like, yeah, you know, in the rain a lot or in the shower, but he is ripping with sweat though. He really, yeah. is. there's that 
wonderful shot of him walking away from the crowd. It's like these nuns. And he walks down the street and he stands in front of the blood bank and the red light is like reflecting on his face and stuff. But yeah, he's like, he's glistening because he, he's, yeah. he is drenched in sweat. One of the yeah. parts in the movie that I found extremely, it was very like an artistic scene, like a choice, but I thought it was very moving when he goes to the steel mill and he's like yeah. screaming and he's like, I, w- I worked at you for 20 years. Like, don't you remember me? And he's like, and then he's like, I want to be like, this is real power. Like I want to be back. He's kind of like, I want to, I want to be working with these machines again. I don't know. But like, just, and, you know, and, I don't know. And then of course he dies there too. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that's, um, that's another side of this that is not explored as much, but, um, is that, you know, the labor force and how, how that was shifting around that time. And you have manufacturing starting to decline, um, especially in these, uh, traditionally, you know, industrial areas like Cleveland. Yeah. Um, and that we have seen since in places like Michigan. Um, uh, and so, and, and what, you know, like in Detroit, what part of the population has that affected? And so you can kind of see whether or not it's, um, you know, a fault of his own because he's not necessarily the most stable person. He is an alcoholic, but I wasn't as clear as to like whether that, occurred prior to his uh leaving the I don't, I don't even know how he like if he got fired from the from the steel mill they're I can't remember purposely that vague about it he may have been injured on the job i mean but working those kinds of jobs is like so brutal and stuff and like it is and then for somebody to have worked at a job like that for like 20 years and like for whatever reason he's not working there now He's very clearly like, bro, he's almost, he has like a home, but he's like very impoverished and stuff. And then Mm -hmm. later when he um, gets money for ratting out Johnny, um, which you kind of, I mean, I love this about the movie. It seems like he's going to do it for somewhat noble reasons to save Ruby D and her children. But then he doesn't at all do that. Like he just spends spends all all the money. basically getting drunk and i mean he's 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 buying uh you know i don't know he's 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 buying like rounds of drinks for everyone yeah yeah and i don't know and and i mean he's like he's getting like a thousand dollars for sure yeah thousand dollars and he blows it all and they kind of review all that when he finally kind of goes on trial um and he even tries to, when he's kind of found out, he tries to put the blame on uh, that other dude. Um, oh, um, uh, uh, Clarence. Right. Yeah, Clarence. Clarence. Yeah, yeah. Who is Roscoe Lee Brown, who played uh, Box on uh, Logan's Run, one of my really? favorite movies. You know, I've never seen yep. Logan's Run. Oh, you got to see it. It's so good. <laughs> I had a. Um, <laughs> love it. I had a Playboy when I was um, a wee, a young man. I found an old Playboy from like 76, maybe. And it had mm-hmm. sex in the cinema spread. Oh, yeah. There. But there's like a picture of like an orgy from that movie. Are there orgies in yeah. that movie? There's one. Is there yeah, nudity in that movie? Very brief nudity. But in it's that still picture, like a PG. There's like nudity, but I was like, and then I was like, this movie's PG. I don't know. This is a weird tangent quick. for us to go on, but uh, no, that's okay. that's a weird movie. You should definitely check it out. It's it's it really is. It, that came out the year before Star Wars. I mean, um, and it is a very you you really can tell how big of an impact Star Wars had on the movie business after you know like just by examining what came out just a year before. Um, it's it's kind but, of like Ugly Kid Joe, Turn Nirvana, or something. <laughs> yep. Where the yep. tide just suddenly changes, and then like this thing that is basically contemporary seems old and out of yep. like obsolete. Basically, interesting. Yep. I've never seen that. Um, Silent Running, and you know what? Silent Actually, I've never seen Two Thousand One. I've never watched Two Thousand One. Two Thousand One is its own thing, but Silent Running, uh, I think it's like the same special effects guy. 
and um, it's it's very corny at sometimes, but it's also very interesting. But also, uh, you've seen Dark Star though, right? Nope. Oh man, uh, yeah, you should see that one. I have a yeah, like hippie sci-fi stuff. I have not watched a lot of that in two thousand one. I know people, some people get mad. Some people like, how dare you have a movie podcast and you haven't seen 2001. But mm-hmm. guys, I have a theory that if I watch all the good movies in a row and then I'm left with, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. Why not have some big dogs like 2001 that I know I'm probably going to like just have it in the chamber for a rainy day. That's, yeah. I, that's what I'm thinking. Anyway, sorry. It's it. On that note, it is really nice to kind of have not seen something and then when you're old enough to appreciate it, finally seeing it and it not <laughs> being like completely ruined or anything and it's like a really fresh thing and you're like, wow, that was really good. That's uh, very cool. That's a very cool thing. Um, so whatever. If you haven't seen a movie, don't worry about it. You'll You'll get to it eventually. I know. That's how I feel like when I... You know, when you meet people and stuff, you're talking like, oh, for the millionth time, no, I haven't seen that movie. It's like, well, fuck, I'm not trying to, you know, it's like, that's cool, though, that like you can be like 35 and you haven't seen, you know, I don't know. Something and now I'm drawing a complete blank as to what a good example would be. But you know what I mean? So you're 35 and you haven't seen Taxi Driver before. It's like, well, better to see it now, honestly, than when you're 14, like I did, you know, and you have. Yeah. But at the same time. My journey with that movie in particular is, I mean, that is one of those movies where, like, the meaning of it kind of changes and evolves as you watch it more and more and stuff. Yeah. And I think this is a movie that I I will get a lot more of. Uptight is a movie I will get a lot more of out of watching it over and over. And I will definitely be re-watching this movie. I think Criterion... It'd be foolish for them or somebody not to put this out and make this or make this available, you know. Yeah, it is. It is available on DVD. Um, all have put it out, and the, and that's around the time when I discovered it. Um, this was like maybe six or seven years ago. Um, I first had read about it. I had just seen Night in the City, and I really enjoyed it. And I was just looking at other movies that Jules Dassin had done, and uh, Uptight really stuck out to me. Um, after I read the description, I was like, I wonder if this video store has it. And there was one across the street from the coffee shop I was working at Mm -hmm. and, you know, one of the last ones in Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And so I went there, they had it, I got to see it and it was like a very cool movie. Um, I liked it. Um, but then kind of rewatching it again this week, having not seen it in a few years and up against the cultural movement that's going on right now, it was like watching it, um, completely differently and watching it completely new. And so it was a very different movie. And similarly with Taxi Driver, I watched that recently after not seeing it for 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that was a completely different movie as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems so, way more racist. Every time, like, ooh, when I was a yeah. kid, I didn't really realize that he was, like, racist, I guess, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's not like I just realized that, but into my 20s, I think I watched it, I finally, I, after like five years, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Taxi Driver again. I was like, wow. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> one thing, okay, one thing. Like a really, really bad dude, you know? And like, I don't know. That movie does Here's change. One, Here's one thing I noticed the last time I watched this movie. And I, I watched it again because I had just watched First Reformed, uh, Paul Schrader's First Reformed, which I think is an excellent movie that deals with mm-hmm. the same topic um, in a very different way. But... Um, Paul Schrader, who of course wrote Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. And then when watching Taxi Driver again, at the very end, after he's killed Harvey Keitel and he's all bloody and everything, and he's back to, you know, being kind of a local hero, um, there's this part where there's this letter being read by Jodie Foster's parents mm-hmm. uh, to Travis uh, about where her character is now and what she's doing. And I'm like, is that real? Or is that a letter that Travis has written himself to make him believe that he was like actually a hero? Um, and it was just like a weird question that I had. Cause it's like, you know, he wants 
to have this be a happy ending and that he was justified in doing what he was doing. And it just, it, to me, I couldn't tell whether or not that was a real letter that so, was okay. being read. In First Reformed, I did not like the ending of it. Did you and not? A lot of people really did like the ending of it. All right, if you don't, everyone doesn't mind if we go ahead and talk about the ending of First Reform for a second. Because I, I just want to hear what you think. Because when he, he kisses Amanda Seyfried from our last episode, Chloe, uh, and then the movie ends, he doesn't blow the church up and whatever. Do you think that he actually yeah. did blow the church? What do you, or do you think he just drank, drank the Drano or whatever the fucking shit he was about to drink? I don't know. I don't know about <clears throat> that and what purpose he finds is more because it's, it's a two pronged thing where he's trying to find purpose in his life again. And is it through this um, woman who is recently widowed or is it through the movement um, brought to him by um, the woman's former husband? Yes. And so it's, is it a duty, which duty does he, because it's a duty to the same family and which duty does he carry out the duty to that man's son to be a father figure or and a lover to his wife or uh, the duty to his movement. And so I don't know. I really don't. Cause I think the, the Drano is a, is a means for him if he were to drink that is a means for him to escape both decisions and put that and take himself out of that equation. And so Amanda Seyfried coming in kind of makes that decision because if, you know, in one situation, if he blows up the church, he tells her not to be there, he dies, but that baby gets to live. And her husband's memory is honored correctly. But in the other situation, she's there, he will kill her too. And so he's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a weird, complicated ending. Did you, but, but I mean, I'm just saying, did you think that that was actually happening at the end? Oh, that she was in there? That he's kissing her. Do you think that that is actually happening? Cause you were saying you didn't know if the letter, so that's what made me think that that's why you were, where you were going with this. And so I was like. With Travis Bickle and stuff, the letter. See that. Yeah. Because I've heard well, that theory that people are like, well, that's not actually happening. I'm like, is it not? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. That movie triggered me so hard that I don't think I can watch it again. And the ending made me mad. And if it was a normal movie, I would watch it again and make a full judgment. But yeah. a lot of the content of that movie um, really made me spiral out of control it was really it was oh hit me way too close to home in a lot of ways let's put yeah it, it was uh it was a lot of the characters were very relatable to me and it was i didn't yeah I couldn't handle watching i don't want to watch first i will be a while until i watch first reform again let's put it that was i mean the way that they represent the church the the church industry as a business and its ties to business it was beautiful and the fact i mean Go ahead. I'm going to cut you off. I mean, there's a, there's like a, a businessman in there who is donating a bunch to, you know, a kind of a, an umbrella group for all these churches that have kind of like bought up all these historic churches and stuff and run their own mega church. And then he, there's like a media, there's a media arm of this church. And it's like it, that media center has like this businessman's name on it. So he's like, um, I don't know. It it really kind of subtly ties a bunch of you know connections together, puts a lot of things together, and how a bigger industry works without telling you directly how it's how it's working and what their what agendas and how the agenda of a church, how the agenda of business are kind of like intertwined. Um, I mean, it's brilliant. You're not gonna. Yeah. I mean, and the ending is really my only major criticism with it, where I was just like, no. Yeah no, this is not how this movie ends, you know, but whatever. But it was brilliant. I mean, I thought yeah. it was incredible to put Cedric the Entertainer in that role of the dude who works at the big church or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's trying to reason with Ethan Hawke and make mm -hmm. him just be like, 
sell out with me, basically. You know, it's like, yeah, I thought he was really good in the movie. I th I think about that performance, and like in terms of taking a comedian and putting them in like a very serious movie and giving them no jokes really or anything. Yeah, like. That was that's a good example of that. Cedric the Entertainer, mm -hmm. first performed it was, um, yeah, and Ethan Hawke, of course, is incredible. Amanda Seyfried, she's an underrated actor. Um, and then the I don't know who plays her husband, and I will say, not either. And to everybody, he kills himself in the movie, and it's extremely it's shocking. disturbing. And yeah, that's one of the main reasons why I was just like, damn, but like. The reasons why and just everything about his marriage and man that movie it's 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 rough yeah <laughs> first yeah, performs paul schrader's real good though sure. <laughs> um yeah so let's kind of circle this back yeah, i know let's we get kind back of took to uptight man we we went um, off on that but i know yeah this is this this is similarly this but it is sort of yeah no on, i mean i mean i think it is you know if you're if you're kind of, um, I say we don't take a break on this one. Let's just skip our break. Okay. And let's Very just good. kind of like Very good, say some, sir. um, I would say that if you're, if you're interested in the type of politics is again, it's not a one-to-one -one analog. It's actually two completely kind of different political messages, but they're very tied to each other, I think, um, in some ways. Um, first reformed, I think it's a good, if you like the, the politics, if you're interested in the politics of, uh, of uptight, um, you should definitely look at um, first reform to kind of get a different view of the same um, kind of overall political message. Um, but um, uptight definitely is something that uh, I think folks should seek out. It, it's it's able to be found. It's not that hard to find. Um, it's just not for free on any streaming services, but it is on YouTube right now. Uh, for free. As of the time of this recording. Yeah. yeah. I say take, um, jump on that and take advantage, but you'll want to watch it. I mean, I don't know, whatever, you know, old movies and stuff. I, I feel like just make this available, like, whatever. I don't know. We don't yeah. need I get all, down a whole rabbit hole of, like, how I would, like, restructure, you know, like, funds from the government and stuff, and like, the way <laughs> art is shared with, the public but yeah so, uh this movie's good you just everyone should check it out it's very very good i think any movie that's been accepted into the library of congress should be available for free on like the library of congress uh i know streaming service. is this not is this one of those no it is not man i bet but, i bet fucking putney slope is you know what i mean They've probably yeah putney slope i've seen putney slope yeah um that's, have you seen, what was it, Babo 78 or whatever? Uh, Is that another Robert Downey Sr. movie? Mm-hmm. Mm <laughs> For the one you should, well, it depends on who you are. There's the Up the Academy, his answer to... I've seen Up the, the Academy. <laughs> I've never his seen... His work the for hire uh, ripoff of Animal House. Like I don't think I've seen the Alfred E. Newman stuff in it. Like they I've showed it on they showed it on HBO and I caught it as a kid and I just remember being like, This movie sucks, you know, like it had nudity or we were watching it for some reason. And then yeah, I don't know. I don't but I don't remember. Then you if you like search for it, you can find they like have Alfred E. Newman as like a real yeah. person and it's like very horrific and weird. And yeah, stuff. it's it's just at the very beginning and the very end. It's like slapped on, and so they took that off for a long time. And the version I saw had it in there, so <laughs> okay. It's like it doesn't add anything to the movie. Um, <laughs> no. it's we're just getting, kind we're of getting like, way up top. I brought up Putney Slope. It's my fault, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, well, that's another one. That's a, that's more of a comedy, but it's just you know, it's you know, it deals it deals with the same kind of politics very differently, and and more of how black culture is portrayed in the media and yeah i mean i think it's just a less good and less yeah. smart <laughs> movie yeah. than this but anyway it's a comedy too it's this is this yeah uptight is not in any way a comedy outside of that one scene in the funhouse mirrors i think that's the only comedic scene i mean yeah and that is also very pointed and um it's not it's very sharply con like it's 
you're not like, haha, I, I wasn't like laughing out loud necessarily. Although no. it was very, like the way they shoot it and stuff, it's very, yeah, it's fun. And it mixes, yeah. mixes, it, mixes it up for a minute. But what he's talking about and what it means is, is very heavy and it's very, yeah. it's very good. Yeah. It's kind of psychedelic without having to be, you know, I don't know. It was, it was cool. Man, this movie is good. And then the ending. Can we talk about that real quick? I know this episode. Yeah, let's talk about the ending. But I just wanted to, he's like, he gets away and then he's like, hey, over here. He's just, is he, yeah. you think he's like, what do you think, what do you think is going to like through his mind or I is think that meant to kind of depict how Tank is where it's like he's running away to save his life. But then he's also like, shoot me. And like, he's giving them an opportunity that he wants to die. Like, I don't really know I think what it's meant to symbolize. He's running and running, and by the time he gets to the steel mill, he's back home, you know, of sorts, and he's real. He's come to terms with himself, so he's like, they're going to catch me. Am I going to run all the rest of my life, or am I going to die in the place where I was happy? Yeah. And he, and like the one guy can't shoot him, and the other guy does. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's him just finally accepting that and... Getting himself suicided. This is where I want to die. He's running yeah. the place where he wants to die in the yeah. foundry. It was very... The music is sort of weird. I think... The Booker T change, and the MGs. I would change the music maybe at the end. It, it just... I wanted it to be a little bit more ominous maybe. Or maybe have no... Like, I mean, Jules Dassin famously did... Rafifi, you've never seen that movie though. There's a heist scene in the middle where it's almost silent. There's no, there, yeah. They composed music and he was like, no, I don't want music. And he had to prove to them that it would be better without. And it's famous for being like yeah. 15 minutes long in the middle of the movie where it's like silence of a heist. Yeah. So I think Dawson, 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 see, we were talking about this before. Yeah. Said this guy's name a bunch of times in my head for decade plus differently so yeah um <laughs> um but uh i don't know i thought the ending sure good this movie was <laughs> terrific <laughs> yeah uh what would you rate this movie on your on your five star you know, five star scale i'm gonna just go ahead and i'm five five out of five stars for me i this uh, movie fired on all cylinders i'm gonna watch it again there's so much to think it's so Brilliant. And we didn't even... Yeah. I'm talking like a fucking fool about this movie, too. I yeah, urge people to watch it and talk about... Watch it with your family and friends, maybe, and talk about it. Like, fuck this movie. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think originally when I watched it again on Letterboxd, I gave it a four and a half stars. Um, I think I'm going to bump that up to five stars. That's oh, my first five shit. stars. <laughs> yeah, just the, the amount that I've been able to think about this and go back and watch specific scenes and just kind of like continue just kind of like processing this movie and going over it again and again and picking out things that I really like about it and things that I, you know, it and because on the surface, it, you can just kind of watch it and be like, what is this? And then really digging into it, you're like, man, oh, yeah, okay, there was that one scene and there was this other thing and this, this other thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just, it, it stuck with me enough, you know, I think now a week later or so. And it's just like, yeah, I, I think I want to give it five stars. So. Hell yeah. I mean, it is, it, it's, I, I love, we didn't even really touch on this, but I mean, he's also, uh, uh, Dasson is famous for making New York like look legendary in the naked city. And then London mm -hmm. and Night in the City and then Paris and Rafifi. And this movie does that, gives that service to Cleveland of all places. Yep. And I thought it made Cleveland look just so, it's sort of like, it is almost like a noir movie. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it, 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 it is and it isn't. It has qualities of that, you know, it's more of just a drama, of, you know, mm -hmm. sort of a thriller in a way too. I don't know. It's it's just man it's, it's quite a movie yeah i mean it, it, it also was insane very good go on sorry 
the the fact that you can this is a very deals with a very heavy topic in a way that it is not dealt with in really any other movie that I've seen. Um, but it doesn't feel like a heavy movie, you know. Um, it's very because I think the story of the crime is a way to kind of keep you engaged in that because that story is very simple. Um, but everything else and the character involvement and what their point of view is is so well defined, and that's where you get into the deep kind of like content territory. Um, so it's a very easy way to kind of digest that kind of uh, politics. Uh, very simply, and I think it leaves it open for a lot of different discussions um, for, from just about anybody who watches this movie. No. Yeah, it was it was really something else. I'm gonna I'm absolutely <laughs> I'm gonna watch it again. I'd love to have like the highest quality possible transfer on Blu-ray in my possession. Mm-hmm. You know. Or I, I don't think it's out on Blu-ray. Yeah, I think they have a DVD, but no Blu-ray yet. Yeah, that's that's got to happen. It's it's really good, and I I'm gonna check out anything. All these uh, there's some movie. Dang, I had it pulled up. Julian Mayfield. It said it was ba- he didn't write the screenplay, but it's based on his novel. Uh, mm. Damn it! There's some movie that I don't know. Also, it's I I just want to like take this movie and look at all the cast and the writers and stuff that I don't know, everyone who's not Jules Dassin, and, mm-hmm. like, really kind of get into it. Because, like, the guy who played Clarence, what a performance with that guy. And what, I mean, that, <laughs> that whole character, too, he's sort of like, I don't know. I don't know what I think about that character. I don't think he's... Yeah. I don't know. He's... Everybody... There's a lot of complexity with all of the characters and the way they treat each other, but like reasons why they have to treat each other this way and reasons why they don't, I guess, you know, I mean, you could say that about every movie, but this movie specifically is about, about that, you know, and Mm -hmm. fuck, this movie was super good, dude. Yeah. Really? I couldn't, I could thank you, Will, for (laughs) asking me to watch this because I didn't even know, I didn't know about this movie and I loved it, man. It was really good. And it's another great thing where I get to find something that, you know, not a lot of people know about and then getting to show it to people and getting more people interested in it because I don't, when I do that, when I find something obscure and everything, it's not, you know, to collect points to say, oh, well, I've heard of this and you haven't. It's like, no, I found this new thing and that nobody, like, not a lot of people have seen it and I want to share it with everyone because I think it's great. And I think more people should definitely be aware of it. And again, I love sharing these things with people. Well, so, absolutely. I'd like to echo that thought too, for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I know. Um, I know. You know, yeah, there's that. Whatever. We don't have to get into that. But that's, um, I do recommend this very highly. Um, and so kind of spinning off of all that as we kind of wrap up, uh, I want to say, you know, please support um, anything locally that is doing their part to help uh, the people of your community. You know, it's like there's a lot of places that, you know, people are tweeting out. Um, I don't want to say anything specifically because it may overshadow someone who is doing something in your community uh, directly. And I want to ask you to please seek those organizations out. Please support them uh, with your 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 money. Um, we definitely have uh, here in Berkeley. Uh, and and Randy, uh, you you and the chat pile guys um, just this week had your LP released. Yeah. Um, and we're donating proceeds uh, to some local charities as well, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, we uh, um, we sold all of our rec. We made a little over two thousand dollars. We divided it between Black Lives Matter, OKC, and Maury Turner, who's running for House Oklahoma House District eighty eight. But yeah, you're totally right about like find whatever wherever whatever community you're in is where you should start seeking out, like, how can I help around here with organizations Mm -hmm. and stuff? And you can find that shit 
pretty easily right now on Instagram and Twitter and whatever, right. or probably if you just Google it or whatever, you know, that shit is pretty easy to come by, like a link or whatever, and you can look in to whatever you want to donate. But yeah, get get involved, <laughs> like for real. Yeah, that's my that's Now's my big time. message. Like, get involved. Yeah, it's um, especially if you're kind of like, you know, out of a job right now um, and you're kind of unavailable to kind of do anything else and you're looking for some way to to help help out or get active again. This is a great way. You don't have to necessarily donate money. You can donate your time uh, as well. And that's a huge help as well uh, because, you know, there's there's manpower uh, that that behind these organizations that is needed beyond just dollars. So. Or you can do uh, both. Get involved too. You can do both. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. do both. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're unemployed, and you're mad, <laughs> and you got time. Yeah. Yep. Um, so with that, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, please seek this out, um, and then let us know if you found it and what you think about it. So, uh, social media links are in the description of this episode. Uh, anything else, Randy? No, not so much. We didn't do recommended if you like. I guess we don't. We're kind of at the end of the episode. I just want to shout out Army of Shadows. It's a it's a movie about the French Resistance. But anyway, um, yeah, I'll, I'll see you next week, Will. I almost called you Will. <laughs> Will Anian, Big Willie style. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Uh, we got some stuff pre-recorded that we're kind of releasing for now. But if anything big comes up, we will do another one of these episodes. Yeah, maybe we do the Nightingale episode next week or some shit like that. Yeah, I think I think that is coming up next week. So well, very good. Okay, uh, Randy. Until next week. See ya. Peace.